When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, Raider Nation? Matt Holder here from Silver and Black Pride, bringing you another Friday podcast. Somehow, someway, the Raiders have managed to keep their playoff hopes alive, and if they win their next two games, they're in, which means they'll have to take down the red-hot Indianapolis Colts on Sunday. But before we get into all that, we've got to go over the news of the week, the injury report, and answer your mailbag questions. Reminder to have your questions answered on the show, tweet them at me, at mholder95, or email them to sbpquestions1 at gmail.com, at mholder95 or sbpquestions1 at gmail.com. Enough of that. Let's get to it. We'll start with the biggest news of the week, which is unfortunately also the saddest. Legendary coach, broadcaster, and video game mogul, John Madden passed away earlier this week on December 28th at his home in Pleasanton, California. Madden was born in 1936 in Austin, Minnesota, but grew up in Daly City just south of San Francisco in the Bay Area. He would go on to play football at Jefferson High School in Daly City, then at the College of San Mateo before transferring to Cal Poly, where he played both sides of the ball, earned a bachelor's degree and master's degree in education, was an all-conference offensive tackle, and a catcher on the baseball team. In 1958, Madden was drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles, but injuries cut his playing career short, so he decided to get into coaching. The coaching icon got his start as an assistant at Allen Cancock College, a junior college down in Santa Maria, California, and took over as the head coach just two years later. He served as Alan Hancock's head coach for two more years before taking on the defensive coordinator job at San Diego State for three seasons, and the Aztecs became one of the top small colleges in the country while he was there. In 1967, a man by the name of Al Davis approached Madden with a job offer to be the Oakland Raiders linebackers coach. Madden, of course, accepted and became the team's head coach just two years later at 32 years old, the youngest head coach in NFL history at the time. 1969 was the coach's first season as the man in charge, and the Raiders went 12-1-1 and made it to the AFL championship game, but unfortunately lost to the Kansas City Chiefs. The following year was the AFL-NFL merger, and Madden led the Silver and Black to another postseason berth, something that was common during his tenure. In the 10 seasons under Madden's guidance, the Raiders made the playoffs eight times, won six AFC West crowns, and of course, brought home the organization's first Super Bowl trophy in 1976. In 1978, Madden stepped down as head coach of the Raiders, paving the way for one of his former players and assistants to have a Hall of Fame career of their own, Tom Flores. Madden finished his coaching career with a 103-32-7 record while earning a .759 winning percentage, the highest of any coach since 1930. That's when his broadcasting career would begin, and he won over the hearts of nearly every football fan across the country. Madden quickly became one of the most popular broadcasters in the country with his unique blend of comedic and informative commentating and iconic catchphrases like boom and epic telestrating. He called several Super Bowls and became the first sportscaster to work for all four of the big U.S. broadcast networks, CBS, Fox, ABC, and NBC, as there were massive bidding wars for his talents just about every time his contract was up. Madden retired from broadcasting in 2008 but remained an iconic figure in the game. In 1984, Electronic Arts founder Trip Hawkins approached Madden about an idea for a football video game and wanted the coach to endorse the game. Madden accepted, but was wanted to make sure the game was as realistic as possible, so the first video game didn't release until 1988. Now, 
The Madden franchise is one of, if not the most popular video game franchise on the market, and has generated over $4 billion and sold over 130 million copies. The NFL has asked all teams to hold a moment of silence for the league's biggest icon, and on behalf of Silver and Black Pride, I'd like to send our condolences to the Madden family, and John, may you rest in peace. Personally, as a kid who grew up in the Bay Area, loving the Oakland Raiders, intensively listening to your broadcast, dreamt of working in sports media, and played a whole lot of Madden, I just want to say thank you, John Madden. Thank you for being an inspiration and a role model for so many kids and people like me. As I attempt to forge my way in this industry, sorry, you were one of my biggest influences and I've always grown up wanting to be like you and do my best to emulate your style. I wish I could have met you in person, but you've had a huge impact on my life from afar. And again, thank you and may you rest in peace. All right. I've got to pull myself together now and keep pushing through this podcast, and unfortunately, our next story is another death in the Raider family. On Monday, December 27th, the Raiders announced that former offensive tackle Bruce Davis passed away at the age of 65. Davis was drafted out of UCLA by the Raiders back in 1979 and was mentored by Art Shell before taking over as the team's starting left tackle back in 1982. The former Bruin had a nine-year career with the Silver and Black that included two Super Bowl wins. He was traded to the Houston Oilers in 1987 and finished his 11-year career there, playing in 160 total games and making 115 starts. On behalf of Silver and Black Pride, I'd like to send our condolences to the Davis family and may he rest in peace. Time for some uplifting news. Former Raiders and New England Patriots defensive end Richard Seymour was elected as one of the 15 modern era player finalists for the Pro Football Hall of Fame's class of 2022. Seymour began his 12-year career in New England before getting traded to Oakland for a first-round pick back in 2009. He spent four seasons with the Silver and Black, where 139 of his 498 career tackles and 18.5 of his 57.5 career sacks came from, and Seymour represented the organization in the Pro Bowl twice in those four years. The Hall of Fame committee can elect up to five modern-era players, so the defensive linemen will be competing with the following players for a spot in the Hall. Jared Allen, Willie Anderson, Ronnie Barber, Tony Vaselli, Leroy Butler, Devin Hester, Torrey Holt, Andre Johnson, Sam Mills, Zach Thomas, Demarcus Ware, Reggie Wayne, Patrick Willis, and Bryant Young. We'll find out the day before the Super Bowl if Seymour ends up making the cut. I do have some head coach news to report to you guys. Per CBS Sports' Jason LaCanforna, the Raiders are eyeing Tampa Bay Bucks defensive coordinator Todd Bowles as a potential candidate to be the team's next head coach, and he's expected to interview for the job in the coming weeks. Bowles served as head coach of the New York Jets from 2015 to 2018, where he went 10-6 in his first season at the helm, but failed to win more than five games in each of the next three seasons. Since then, the coach has revived his career as the defensive coordinator for the Bucs, and his defenses have ranked 8th and 9th in points allowed over the last two seasons, respectively. Other than that, there's been little to no news about the Raiders' head coaching search, as it does feel like they're starting to fall a little behind, or at least not taking advantage of being one of two teams that are able to interview candidates at this time. The Jacksonville Jaguars are the other team that can reach out about their head coach vacancy, and they've been rather active over the last few weeks while the Raiders notably haven't. If any more news comes about with the Raiders and Bulls or any other candidate for that matter, we'll be sure to let you guys know. A couple of quick notes on Sunday's game that pertains to the Raiders' playoff hopes. As I mentioned before, if the Raiders can win their next two games, they're in. However, things can get complicated if they lose against the Colts, and the Raiders could easily get eliminated if a few other dominoes fall this week. There are five scenarios where if the Raiders lose, they'll be eliminated from postseason contention. The first, Chargers beat the Broncos and Ravens beat the Rams. Second, Chargers win, Bills beat the Falcons and Dolphins beat the Titans. Third, Chargers and Bills win and the Patriots beat the Jaguars. Fourth, 
Ravens, Bills, and Dolphins win, and the Steelers beat the Browns. Fifth, Ravens, Bills, Steelers, and Patriots win. Of those teams that I mentioned, the Chargers, Bills, and Patriots are all favorites this week, while the Steelers, Dolphins, and Ravens are underdogs. The Raiders are also underdogs, so the third scenario, Vegas loss with LA, Buffalo, and New England winning, is a realistic possibility. Then again, if the Raiders can take care of business and win, none of this matters and they're still alive. Alright, as I'm sure you guys know, both the Raiders and Colts have had COVID issues this week, and so has the rest of the league, and rather than tell you who's come on and off the reserve slash COVID-19 list all week, I'll just list the active players that are currently on it as of Friday morning. For the Raiders, linebacker Will Compton, cornerback Casey Hayward, linebacker Corey Littleton, quarterback Marcus Mariota, defensive end Carl Nassib, linebacker Patrick Owoso, linebacker Denzel Perryman, defensive tackle Darius Phylon, guard Jordan Simmons, defensive tackle Kendall Vickers, tight end Darren Waller, and linebacker KJ Wright. Probably the most frustrating name to see on that list is Waller, as the team was hoping he'd be healthy enough to play this week for the first time since Thanksgiving. For the Colts, the list is a lot shorter, as several players have cleared protocols in the last few days. Cornerback and former Raider TJ Carey, linebacker Malik Jefferson, offensive lineman Braden Smith, and quarterback Carson Wentz. It's important to note that with the NFL's new protocol, a vaccinated player can return if he's asymptomatic for 24 hours and has two negative tests or tests that can determine the player is no longer contagious, and any player, regardless of vaccination status, can return after a five-day quarantine if they are asymptomatic and they don't even need to produce a negative test. That opens up the window for Wentz to be activated on Sunday morning. Moving on to the injury report, and that's actually got some good news for the Raiders. The team only held walkthroughs this week, but no player received a DAMP tag on Thursday. Linebacker Divine Diablo was limited with shoulder and elbow injuries, as was defensive tackle Jonathan Ankins, who was sidelined with a back injury last week. As for the full participants, quarterback Derek Carr was listed as an FP with ribs, tight end Daniel Helm, knee, Josh Jacobs, ribs, defensive tackle Quentin Jefferson took a rest day on Wednesday, but was back in action on Thursday, tight end Foster Moreau, abdomen, and offensive tackle Brandon Parker, knee, and that's the Raiders injury report. As for the Colts, they have three guys that haven't practiced all week, safety Andrew Sadejo with a concussion, tight end Jack Doyle with knee and ankle injuries, and offensive tackle Eric Fisher with knee, shoulder, and toe injuries. All three players are listed as starters on the Colts website, so while Las Vegas has more players on the COVID list, Indianapolis will likely be without a few key contributors due to injuries. Alright, mailbag time. As always, tweet your questions at me if you want them answered on the pod, at mholder95, or email them to sbpquestions1 at gmail.com, at mholder95 on Twitter, sbpquestions1 at gmail.com via email. First question comes from my longtime Twitter friend James, have you ever made an underwear bet over a Raiders game? For those of you that don't get this reference, I suggest you get on Raiders Twitter and uh, just give that a look for the last few days as that's been going crazy um, pretty much since yesterday. But to answer James's question, no. For one, I don't know if I've ever made an underwear bet in my life. That's just weird. And two, I don't think I'm dumb enough to bet the Raiders to beat the Chiefs. At least not. You've, you've at least got to give me points if I'm going to bet on the Raiders to beat the Chiefs. And again, no chance in hell I'm putting my underwear on, a, on it. That's pretty sacred to me. So you guys are safe to know that you'll never see me make any sort of bet like that. And hopefully you'll never see me in, in my underwear or anything like that. But I'm not going to make any promises. Alright, next question is a little bit of a long one, but I do appreciate all the background info. When Darren Waller was injured on Thanksgiving, it was said to be a one to three week injury. Five weeks later, Waller is still out. There is some internet conspiracy talk in the nation that Waller has shut himself down for the year because he is disgruntled about his current contract, 
which makes him only the 13th highest paid tight end. At Coach Passaccia's presser before the Broncos game, Coach seemed exasperated and essentially said that it's up to Waller to determine when he's able to play. Do you think there's any truth to that speculation that Waller is healthy enough to play, but simply how it's chosen not to? Well, I do want to start off my answer by putting it out there that I don't have any inside info or anything like that on the matter, but I do think there is a little bit of truth to the speculation, or at least there it is plausible. I don't know if you guys remember, but during training camp, Waller also had kind of a more mysterious injury that was kind of a similar situation where the team wasn't releasing a whole lot of info and there was thought that it would only be out for a week. It ended up getting stretched out and obviously ended up being fine and being able to ready to go for the, pre- for the regular season. But there was the same kind of speculation that maybe he's not exactly happy with his contract and wants more money, which I mean he undoubtedly should should or should be getting. I mean, as the question noted, it was he's 13th highest paid tight end and obviously has outperformed that contract. Problem is he has three years left on it. And I mean, if you're the Raiders, obviously you're not going to try and just give him more money. He's going to have to ask for it. So I do think there is some truth to that argument, um, especially if you look at the, the, the few weeks after he had that injury where it kind of looked like the Raiders playoff hopes were dead. So if you're Darren Waller, you're probably thinking, well, I don't want to ruin any sort of future innings by making my my injury worse. So I think there could be some truth to that argument. Now now that the Raiders are kind of black in the playoff hopes and have a legit chance now, maybe that argument loses some weight because obviously Waller's still out. Um, but I do think there is some truth to it. I do think the Raiders are probably going to have to address Waller's contract in the offseason. Again, being the 13th highest paid tight end, like if you're any sort of agent, any sort of decent agent, which I'm sure Waller's agent is, you're pounding the table to get a new contract because obviously he's a lot better than the 13th or middle of the pack for his position. He's one of the better guys at the position, so he's probably going to pound the table to be paid like one. Now, I don't know what's going to happen this offseason with Waller. Depends on what they do with the uh, organization or with the team moving forward. So maybe that's part of it. Maybe that's part of why they haven't had a whole lot of discussions because maybe the Raiders are undecided. But again, this is just speculation here. But I definitely do think it could uh, play a factor, especially if the decision is up to him, which obviously with most injuries it is, where he doesn't want to ruin any sort of uh, negotiations that he has in the offseason. Especially, like I said, a few weeks ago, it didn't look like this team was going to be making the playoffs. Now things have changed, but we'll see how the next couple of weeks unfold. And uh, I definitely think it'll be an interesting offseason in regards to Waller. Of the Raiders who are currently on the COVID list, who do you think they'll miss the most this Sunday and who would be an under-the-radar loss? Well, I think the obvious answer would probably be Waller because he's the best player on the team, but I honestly don't think the Raiders will miss him too much. Like we just talked about, they haven't had him since Thanksgiving, so I don't know how much you can miss a guy that hasn't played in five weeks. And I mean, they've won the last, what, two weeks without him. So... I think if I had to pick one guy that they'll miss the most, I'm going to say it's going to be Denzel Perryman this week because with the Colts offense, with Jonathan Taylor being an MVP candidate at that running back and Carson Wentz potentially being out or at least not being able to practice all week, I think they're going to run the ball a ton, which obviously is where Perryman sort of excels or not even sort of excels, where Perryman excels and where he's best at. So I think he'll be a big loss if he can't suit up for them. Obviously, that's going to be a go a long ways towards uh, stopping the Colts offense. And then the under-the-radar guy that I would say is going to be Darius Phylon, defensive tackle. Phylon had a huge week last week against the Broncos, was excellent against the run, and I thought he did pretty well as a pass rusher too. So I would think if he's active, he'd probably get a lot more playing time this week. Again, because I imagine the Colts are going to run the ball a week a lot this week. So I think he kind of will be a, a sneaky guy that they'll miss. The Raiders' defensive tackles outside of Jonathan Hankins aren't very good against the run. You guys have heard me say that multiple times this year. 
And so seeing Phylon be a be a force last week against the run as a run defender, Ender was huge and something that I was actually looking forward to this week. And then obviously now it's a little bit in question or now his status in question. So I feel like he's a guy that they could miss. I think I was excited to see him and Hankins on the field at the same time. And I think that could have really helped their run defense, but we'll have to just wait and see how it folds out on Sunday. Well, that does it for another podcast. As always, follow me on Twitter, AdamHolder95, and follow Silver and Black Pride. Please make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and download wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time, guys.